Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. It is great to have you here with us. My name is Lena Abujamra, and I'm your host. I look forward to Thursday so much, and we're in the middle of a series called Dear Lena. I hope you've already subscribed to our podcast. If you haven't, do it today. And uh, we tackle difficult topics. Listen, this uh, podcast is for Christians living in a post-Christian world, uh, a world where uh, God's truth are no longer celebrated as the mainstay and foundation of our culture, but we still believe in the truth of God's word. And so I uh, uh, have mixed feelings about today's question. I almost didn't answer it, but I got this question sent to me 24 hours ago, and so decided to give it some thought. And, and part of the challenge in this era we're living in is to try to think clearly through difficult topics and come out with some sense. And so uh, with that in mind, let me um, encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, your response to the question that was sent to me today. Uh, we're in a series called Dear Lena, where I answer questions about life, faith, culture, and everything in between. And so it's no surprise that I got this email uh, from a listener that said, Dear Lena, what are your thoughts about the Derek Chauvin verdict? And um, a great question, a question that's very relevant this week. Um, some of you are uh, right away listening and, and rejoicing and still celebrating uh, what happened. Uh, just to give you a heads up, if you're living under a rock, uh, Derek Chauvin is a police officer in Minneapolis who uh, put his uh, knee on the neck of uh, George Floyd for nine minutes and 29 seconds and uh, created a huge, um, it was like the tipping point to uh, a series of uh, racially driven um, events that happened in the last few years, but this was the tipping point and led to multiple protests last summer, and the trial basically found him guilty of second and third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. Uh, the verdict won't be announced for a couple more weeks, I think, but he uh, is already spending time in prison, and uh, sort of a big deal. It's the first time, I think, in a long time uh, that um, a police officer is held accountable to an action that was clearly outside of what was considered normal, and so some of you are rejoicing over this and and if that's been sort of your hope and you've been waiting you know with anticipation and maybe expecting that justice would not be served and and now you're watching this unfold you're still uh, elated over the outcome and others of you have uh, sort of found it sort of uh, on the other side of the spectrum maybe you didn't think that the trial was very fair maybe you thought that the jury was afraid for their lives and and maybe you thought that even the event itself was blown out of proportion by the media we, we understand that our country's polarized and that this has been an issue of, of big debate uh, across the um, partisan you know, spectrum. And so, uh, you know, what do we as Christians, and I, by the way, I said you guys, because I'm, I'm on neither extreme of those views. In fact, I, um, I thought I'd summarize my thoughts in, in three big ideas, as I usually do. And uh, um, again, I want to be sensitive to both sides of this discussion, but, but, but here, here's my conclusion, and I, I want to sort of um, bring it down to three elements. In the aftermath of justice, because I do think there was a sense of what happened uh, yeah, uh, this, this week that was uh, justice was served. Uh, whether you agreed with it or not, it, there was a rule, a court of law that uh, listened to the facts and came to a conclusion uh, with a, uh, a jury that, uh, you know, basically led to the uh, to the conclusion of the judge. And so I think, you know, this is our American judicial system and it worked. And, and in the aftermath of justice, here's my first thought, I'm rejoicing that God still rules. My first thought is, thank God we have a sovereign God who's good. Um, and I think we see this clearly, um, uh, it, whether you sit on one end of the spectrum or the other. Uh, I think in the past year, I've seen a lot of 
controversial issues where people sort of Christians come up uh, on it and, you know, chime into the Twitter world and say, well, thank God God is sovereign. No matter the outcome, I'm happy with it. And I think sometimes that sentiment is belittled in the uh, general media, which um, bugs me a little bit because the reality is that God is sovereign. God is in control. God saw and knew what was going to happen. There's no surprise in heaven today. Uh, but beyond that, you know, it is God's heart. I mean, God is good in his sovereignty and, and he does rule. And, um, and, and, and no matter the outcome that would have happened in the trial, God has never been out of control of what's happening. And his heart is for justice to happen. And so Isaiah 117 is a great verse that reminds us, it says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. And of course, Micah 6, 8 is one of the most famous verses about, about justice. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So the act, the work of justice is good work. I think the interpretation of justice is where people disagree. But the work of justice is good. The, um, the desire for justice is good. The outcome of justice is good. Again, I think where we disagree is I think we confuse justice with fairness. And sometimes I think we, um, you know, depending on your perspective on politics, what you think is fair may not be what somebody else thinks is fair. And so you might be standing on two different sides of justice, and that's where much of our anxiety and, and debates happen. But I want to remind you, as I think about God and his rule over and his justice, uh, that justice is not justice if it's not justice for all. That's a quote that's been said, and I really like it because, um, you know, if you are in the African-American community, and you've been sort of watching the injustice that's happened to your people for centuries. And, and, and I think it's hard to, to be black and not feel that pressure. We've had a series on being black as a Christian uh, now in America that you can catch on the, on the podcast from the past. But, it, you know, it, the United States justice system has not been fair to black people. I think, I think most people would agree to that. And, and maybe you're in your seat sort of you know, squirming, and you don't like to hear that statement, but but it's true. I'm I'm Lebanese, so I don't have any you know deep stakes in the ground from a historical background because I didn't grow up in this country, and so I come to it as an immigrant. I came here as a senior in high school, but I think it's hard not to read the facts. In fact, my eight-year-old nephew Sam is reading a book uh, for kids, an adventure book, and they have a chapter, and it's talking about the slavery um, history of the United States. And even actually, he's not even eight; he's seven. And even as a seven-year-old, he was filling me in yesterday about how life has been wrong, uh, and no human should be a slave. And and he, you know, in his very innocent, uh, childlike fashion is expressing themes that many adults seem to still lack. And so, um, so even though uh, you might think that you're living in a just country, there are people in this country who have not seen or had the same experience, and you cannot minimize that truth. So justice is not justice if it's not justice for all. And so in that sense, those who have been sort of worried and sitting on the edge of their seat and worried, like, what will happen to Chauvin? Will he get away with murdering a man or not? There's an understandable amount of rejoicing in the fact that God has allowed justice to take place. Because, again, you might be like, well, life has been just for people in the United States, and, and you would not be taking into account that, that justice is not justice if it's not justice for all. And there are people in our country, brothers and sisters in Christ, who have not thought that, that things have been just for them. And in reality, that there's a lot of truth to that. Now, 
Justice for one does not mean justice for all. I think that's also important to remember because on the other side of the coin, you know, there's a sense, you know, after a verdict of guilty where we think, well, great, everything is fixed now. Well, no, I mean, there's, you know, we're living in a broken system at the end of the day, and I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But, but just because, you know, whether, again, whether you agreed with the outcome or not, say justice has been served, Chauvin is given prison time, and so you go, well, that's great. Now everything changes, and the truth is that, that justice for one does not mean justice for all, and, um, and, and the only time when we're going to be able to see sort of justice for all will be at the return of Jesus Christ. By the way, the justice of God was poured, you know, his, all of God's wrath was poured onto Jesus Christ at the cross, hence creating a system, if I'm going to use that word system, or a, a faith, or a, a way where uh, because he bore your sin on the cross, God's justice has been served, mercy is ours, we're set free. And so someday we will live in a world where justice for one will mean justice for all. And where, you know, so you might even be from the black community and going, well, great, this cop got, you know, prison, you know, time, but or lifetime in prison, but what about all the other cops? And, and understandably, um, uh, that's a sentiment that I sympathize with. Or on the other side of the spectrum, you might be going, well, you know, so, uh, so you know, it's still like, what, what have we solved here? Like now here's a man who, who maybe, you know, whatever the reason that he did what he did, whatever the other circumstances, I mean, I know that people have a lot of theories on what happened to George Floyd. Um, I mean, I listened to the news. I'm not completely deaf. And so you might be saying, well, he, he wasn't served justice. And so, you know, George Floyd doesn't get justice. And now this guy doesn't get justice because now maybe the jury's been skewed. And so, again, remember that justice is this human, it's a God concept that has been broken by human understanding. And, and if you're on one side of justice and your way happens, you think that, oh, okay, this must be right. And if you're on the other side of justice and your way failed, then you're ang angry about justice. And I think we have to remember in our minds that we humans bring a certain bias to justice that I think only as you th see things from God's perspective and only as you see perfect justice accomplished in Jesus Christ can you really... Um, have confidence and, and peace, really, as it pertains to, um, to, to this, this time that we're living in, which is a really difficult time. So justice today, hopefully, the, the conclusion that I have in watching sort of, okay, fine, maybe yesterday was a just day, um, as many people, half the country feels probably, and the other half of the country probably doesn't, but justice today might lead to healing tomorrow. So if there's any hope of what happened yesterday, I hope that some of the hope is that, all right, maybe some justices were working out towards healing tomorrow. Of course, most people recognize this is not the end of the story, it's just the beginning, but still, there is this, this potential for healing, which is ultimately what we're looking for. We don't want to live forever in a, in a land that's constantly fighting over what's just and what's not. We want healing. And so in the aftermath of justice, I'm still rejoicing that God still rules. He's in control. He's good. All right. Here's a second idea. In the aftermath of justice, I'm reminding that conflict still remains. All right. Even presenting this first point, you can sense this tension between two sides of this debate. And again, I know that even as I say this, one side is absolutely bashing me now for saying there is another side because they believe that what happened to George Floyd was outright murder and understandably so. I mean, I've tweeted about this before and I've actually, we've talked about this on this, on this podcast before, but on the other side is a group that also can't hear past. If, if we stop there, they can't hear past a word that I'm saying. And, 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 and it's important to understand that, that, 
the morning after justice is served, conflict remains. And I think that has been the weight on my heart. I, I, I really honestly confess that I didn't wake up. I was not one of those people who, you know, was shooting out fireworks when, when I heard about the verdict. In fact, I felt a heaviness. And in fact, I'll tell you my third point in the aftermath of justice. I'm reflective that sadness still engulfs. And I'll get to that in a minute. But the reality is conflict still exists in the United States. You, the anger keeps growing. The division keeps deepening. That's a burden that I think every Christian ought to carry, more so than whether, you know, what, you know there's a recognition of a wrong that was done, but now there's this question, you know, did, did he get what he deserved? And before you answer, I'm not here to give an answer. I'm just here to feel this tension of... Um, of, of, these are difficult topics, and if anything, I believe that division in our country and the anger is growing and deepening, and I think that's, um, that's, that's hard. And, uh, and there was, I read an article this morning uh, by a Christian that I respect, and he was even making a note that the goalposts are changing, meaning up until the verdict was read, the, big, the goalpost for people who were fighting for justice was, let's just get Chauvin to be guilty of murder. If he is found to be guilty, justice will have been served. And then the morning he, after his, his verdict of being guilty, now everything is like, okay, wait, we're just getting started. Really, what we really need for justice is, and now there's a new list of demands of what it looks like to have justice. And so, so I think the conflict is still there. Most people, their reaction to even people who were 100% pro the, the, uh, the decision to, or the, the jury's decision, even people who are pro it will acknowledge that, that just because a verdict of a policeman being guilty has been made does not mean that the problems have resolved. In fact, we have so much work to still do. I think most people would acknowledge that. So no matter the side of the debate, on one side, you might think, no, the debate, the conflict is getting worse. On the other side, you might think, well, let's just get started because the work is getting worse. And so wherever you are, I think there, there's that. That's what I felt, honestly, more so than all the other stuff. Did he get what he deserved? Did the jury, were they pressured? Was it a fair trial? Listen, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that there's a heavy weight of conflict that is growing. And then third point, in the aftermath of justice, I'm reflective that sadness still engulfs. There's a deep sadness in my heart. I, I don't think that George Floyd's death was justified in any way, but I'm in no way, you know, keep picking up stones and throwing them at Chauvin because he was, happened to be the cop who had his knee on the neck of the guy for nine minutes and 29 seconds. Like, I'm not, I'm not justifying what he did, but I'm sad. I'm sad about it all. I'm sad about the way that this is playing out. I'm sad about the brokenness in our world. I'm sad about the division in our country. I'm sad over the wasted lives of people who have died. George Floyd's life was wasted. Chauvin's life is wasted now. I'm sad about that. I'm sad. And I, I don't know anymore. You know, I think part of the difficulty right now in our culture is that it's, you know, it's easier to take sides than to wrestle with some of those spaces. In fact, I don't think culture at large allows us to live in this middle space, which is a space of pain. We're driven, we're pushed to make a decision now. I looked at some tweets yesterday and, and people were joyful, guilty, 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 rejoicing, you know, like just this great deep joy. And while I, 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 I'm empathizing and I wanna understand it, I also see a man whose life is equally wasted. And I don't know the circumstances, I don't know either what happened in, on that specific day other than the video that I saw was horrific and heartbreaking. But the truth is that sin reigns in our land 
And so long as there's sin, there will be injustice, there will be wrongful deaths, and whether it's black, white, yellow, or red, is a song we used to sing when we were growing up, stupid song, but, but good song. But my point being, as a Lebanese woman uh, who came to this country with the hope of, of more, of better, I think it's, it's hard to watch the events of this last year and the events of even this week's verdict and not feel a deep sense of conflict and sadness with the hope that, or with the knowledge that our only hope in all of this is that we have a God who is sovereign over all. And so that's my, uh, those are my thoughts about the Derek Chauvin verdict. I pray that Derek Chauvin will come to know the Lord. If he doesn't, I don't know a thing about him, so I can't speak to that. I pray that he will find uh, forgiveness with his God I pray that George Floyd's family and the black community will find a sense of relief with the verdict. And I pray that our land, our country, will find at some point repentance and revival over all of the brokenness that we're experiencing right now. Uh, let God's truth mold you and let God's justice give you rest. Don't hurry up and have to come up with the answer. Uh, the answer is, is sometimes there's uncertainty in the answer. There's sort of an understanding of the difficulty, and I think that's okay. There's a tension that we can live with. So I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, I uh, want to pray in closing. I don't always do that, but I'm going to pray in closing. I'm going to ask God's Spirit to continue to lead us and to help us as we're navigating some difficult grounds, I think, in this era of our lives. So if you're a Christian, pray with me. Um, God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have borne the price for all of our sins, that we have hope in you no matter what side of the conflict we're on. Father, that no matter what injustice has been done to us, that we can have peace and rest and freedom in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you were willing to pour your anger and, and wrath on Christ. Father, your anger over sin, over brokenness, that's what we bring to the table. And you were willing to take that price on the cross for our sakes. Thank you that justice has been served, and that mercy is ours. We need mercy, God. I pray for unity in our country. I pray for revival in our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, if you're still watching uh, or listening, I uh, would ask you to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, if you've got strong sentiments on this topic and need to vent them, send me an email at dearlina at livingwithpower.org. Or if you've got a question for next week's episode, send me an email at dearlina at livingwithpower.org. Y'all have a great day. Take care.